0: Welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I am the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be highlighting a ministry called Promise of Life Network. To find out more about Promise of Life, you can go to their website at www.promiseoflifenetwork.org. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest co-host and contributor today, Sarah Bowen. Sarah, how are you doing today? Hey, Parker, I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your show. Well, I was so impressed with you the last time we talked, and we talked about a month ago when we were highlighting the Life Anthology series that was published by Doorway Publishing, where we talked about all aspects of the pro-life movement, and you contributed a story that I found really unique, and we'll talk about that a little later on in the broadcast. But I was so impressed by you that I wanted to have you back because I truly am an advocate for the unborn. And I know that Promise of Life Network also is an advocate as well. So I want to highlight your ministry, let our listeners know what you do to help others, talk about this very sensitive topic of pro-life and pro-choice and where we stand on the subject, as well as give other information, and for listeners to have an opportunity to donate their time, their funds, their money, or anything else the organization may need to help them in their quest to change and save lives. So once again, thank you for being with me today. Thanks. I'm, I'm so excited again. It's just, it's just an
1: honor to be here
0: and to talk about the ministry. Um, and I just love your heart for these children
1: and for their mothers.
0: What's really interesting is that the last time you were on my show, you were nervous. It was the first time you had did an interview for a radio show. So since that experience, do you feel a little bit more confident about it? Yeah, actually, um, and I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and I was like, man, that was just the
1: best podcast to start out with, because it was so fun, and everybody was so natural and engaged, um, so yeah, I'm actually much more relaxed today. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to Parker and tell
0: her about the ministry, and it's going to be great, and I wasn't nervous at all, so you did off- you're a great host. Thank you very much. I always enjoy getting feedback, whether it's critical or positive, because we always want to improve at this thing called ministry, whatever that is. So Promise of Life is located where? So Promise of Life Network is
1: based in western Pennsylvania. Our corporate headquarters, according to the IRS, which is the most overblown thing you could ever call it, is in Flippery Rock, Pennsylvania. And we have another office in Newcastle. Both of those are medical facilities. And then we have two parenting resource centers, one in Sandy Lake and one in Butler, Pennsylvania. So if you're familiar with the area, all of those are within, um, I would say, 45 minutes to an hour of each other but we also have an international ministry that spans the globe. So we have kind of our local ministry that's very concentrated here in Western Pennsylvania, but we're also ministering to women all over the world.
0: You say ministering to women, and I think this has becomes the core part of our conversation is because you're not just talking to or about the unborn, you're talking to their mothers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the most important thing about being pro-life is the mother
1: and um, that might sound crazy, because I think we often talk about babies, and we want to see pictures of babies, and abortions are perpetrated against babies, but they're also perpetrated against mothers. And I tell people that I got into pro-life work for the babies, um, but I say for the women, because I see how much abortion hurts them, I see how much it affects them, and they're the ones that we're focused on here. Um, yeah, we're, we're talking about the baby, we're thinking about the baby, we provide items for the baby, but our core client is the mother,
0: It's interesting that you say our core client is the mother, because often people who are against pro-life discussions, pro-life advocacy, say that they're not thinking about the mothers at all, and they tend to get upset when you throw up a picture of a gruesome abortion that may have happened to a baby, and some say those tactics are meant to be emotional abuse to a woman to force her to keep her child. What would you say to that type of question? Well,
1: we don't use any kind of graphic imagery in our ministry at all. Um, whether or not there's a place for it, I don't think there's necessarily a place in pregnancy health. But that being said, um, women do need to understand the truth of an abortion. Uh, they need to understand what's going on inside their bodies, how far along they are, what their baby looks like on ultrasound scan. Um, what a fetal model of the corresponding age would look like. They also need to understand how an abortion procedure works and what the potential risks and side effects are. And one of the things that we've noticed is a lot of the risks and side effects that we share with women, you can find them on pro-choice websites. You can find them on pro-abortion websites, but they're often very pretty deep. And so we've had many women who've had abortions and they come to us afterwards and they're genuinely shocked by the level of side effects they're experiencing. But when they call the, if they can, if they have an abortion clinic that they went to, when they call the abortion clinic, they're told that's within normal parameters. So I think that sometimes they're minimizing those risks and side effects to abortion. And that's not really fair to the mother. She should have the right to all the information before she would make a decision that's that life altering.
0: Let's talk about your ministry and get deep down into it. What exactly do you provide for women who go to your clinic. Yeah. Okay. So we
1: provide pregnancy testing and ultrasound scans to women who are early in pregnancy or women who are concerned about pregnancy. Many of these women are considering an abortion. Some of them are planning to have an abortion. All of them are offered education, information, resources, and an ultrasound scan. Um, we also offer STD testing and treatment. So we currently test for chlamydia and gonorrhea. We'd like to expand that testing in the future, but right now that's all we're able to do. Um, We're also hoping to expand to Well Women exams. In addition to the medical services that we offer, we uh, offer parenting education and material help to any family in our community who's parenting or caring for a child age three and under. So anyone is eligible to attend. They get weekly parenting lessons via video, and then they earn points that they can spend on diapers, wipes, baby clothes, baby furniture, all those sorts of things. And all of these services are free of charge to our client. We never charge them, and we don't charge their insurance. So in addition to that, we also have grief support programs. So women who have been through an abortion in the past are welcome to join those, or we, and we have separate ministry for women who have been through a miscarriage.
0: My question is this. You said that clients that come to your clinic are women who are currently considering an abortion. Mm-hmm. So what drove them to your clinic? So, there's a lot of things. So,
1: often they'll call us and they'll say, hey, um, I want an abortion. Do you do abortions? And we always say no. Uh, We don't want to bring anyone here under false pretenses. We don't want anyone to think that they're going to get a service they're not going to get. But then we follow up with a question and that's usually, hey, have you had an ultrasound yet? Have you had your pregnancy confirmed? Have you talked about all of your options? And oftentimes the answer is no. Um, It's very important to get an ultrasound before making a decision like that. You need to know, are you really pregnant? How far along are you? And is the pregnancy progressing normally? Those are questions that are best answered through ultrasound scan. So they often come in here just to kind of dig into their options, uh, make sure that they're really making the right decision for themselves, make sure that their pregnancy is as far along as they think that it is, and also to find out what resources are available in the community. One time, I'll never forget, I was talking to a young woman who was planning on having an abortion. And um, I talked to her and I said, can you tell me why? You know, like, what's, what's pushing you into this decision? Because you could tell she wasn't she wasn't happy about it. You know, they don't get excited. No one gets excited about having an abortion. Um, and she said, it's just housing. She's like, I don't, I don't have a great place to live. I'm staying with family right now. Um, and I said, well, do you think in nine months you could come up with a better housing situation? And she said, well, yeah, I think so. And it was like this weight just lifted off of her, and we were able to connect her with resources in our community that could help her get into good, stable housing. And so sometimes it's just finding that area of need. Is it, is it baby items? Is it health insurance? Is it housing? Is it um, Are they concerned about domestic violence and they need a way to exit an unsafe situation? And so we try to provide resources for their situation so that they're able to have their baby and so that they're able to have a healthy life for themselves.
0: Are we talking about a small number of women, or are we talking about a lot of women who come through your doors?
1: Well, we're a rural community, so um, compared to other organizations, no, we don't see a lot of women, but um, there are over 2,500 pregnancy centers nationwide in the United States, and all of us together are seeing tremendous amounts of women. So last year, we had um, 32 women who were very at risk for abortion choose life. so 32 babies were saved. Uh, The year before that, it was over 60. The year before that, it was over 50. And so every year, these numbers, they just add and add and add. And in a small rural community like where we are, that's a lot of babies. Um, And it really adds up to a, a much healthier community.
0: Let's talk about something that I think we need to discuss. When it comes to what services you provide, it's not just about the baby, but there's a spiritual component to this as well. Let's go ahead and delve into that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're a Christian organization. We don't apologize for that. Um, we don't try to minimize that. Everyone who works here is required to agree with our statement of faith. And sharing the gospel is, is huge for us. Now, we are not going to force someone to hear the gospel. We're not going to force someone to hear about Jesus, but we offer it to them. And if they're willing to listen, if they're interested, we're willing to answer questions. Um, we'll pray with them. If they're interested in that, we'll offer them a free Bible if they're interested in that. And so we really, we try to very we try to be very, very sensitive to what they want and what they need. But if they're open to hearing that message, then we definitely want to share it with them. And we do our best to infuse the gospel into everything that we do. Um, we want to love women like Jesus loves them. We want to love their children like Jesus loves them. And that's really what drives all of us here at this ministry.
0: You said there was grief counseling services there. Let's talk about the grief counseling services because you're obviously talking about women who are post-supportive. So what does that woman need after she has decided to have an abortion and goes through with it? What are some of the regrets she may have about that? So post-abortive stress,
1: it can really mean a lot of things. Um, some women, often the, the, the feeling that most women have immediately after their abortion is relief. So it's over. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Everything's going to be better. Everything's going to be fine. Um, and But what happens often afterwards, they realize that it's not better and things aren't going back to normal and they don't feel fine. Um, they may regret their abortion decision. They may be dealing with very normal, natural hormonal issues after an abortion, just like you would after childbirth. Um, some women are, are sad. Some women feel shame. Some women feel grief or regret. Other women may even have flashbacks or other sort of trauma responses. And so um, sometimes women call us immediately after their abortion, with maybe within days or weeks, and let us know that they're struggling and they want someone to talk to. Other times, it could be 10 or 20 or 30 or more years. And so we have a, a couple different Bible studies, book studies that we go through with people. If they're uh, Christians and they're interested in that, we have a few that are biblically based, and then we have others that are not, just to keep with their comfort level. And then they walk through that with someone, who, someone who's been through an abortion as well. And so when they're in that place, they're not talking to someone who doesn't understand their experience. They're not going to feel like, oh, my goodness, this person is going to judge me. This person thinks I'm a horrible person because they know that she's been through the same thing. And so um, some of the women that we minister alongside here are post-abortive. They have abortions in their past, usually quite a while ago. And so they're able to really uniquely minister to those women that have been through an abortion experience.
0: Let's talk about how Promise of Life really shines as a advocate for babies as well because you mentioned that you provide ultrasounds and things of that nature but there's also the component of letting this little baby have a voice.
1: Well and that's the thing I mean abortion is a hard discussion to have because we can't talk to the baby they can't advocate for themselves um, they can't tell us what they're thinking they can't tell us what they're feeling or what their desires or wishes are And we can't see them, really. I mean, you might be able to see a belly or a baby bump, but you can't see the child. And so through ultrasound, we're able to introduce that child to their mother. And we're able to say, like, this is your baby. This isn't an image of a baby. This isn't a fetal development model. This is your personal child. And we're able to give them that connection that they may not have otherwise. Now, if we're working with women overseas, there's no way we can provide an ultrasound to them Um, but we can still talk to them about their child. We can still talk to them about the development of their child, and we can recommend that they find, we can help them find a pregnancy center in their community that will provide them with an ultrasound as well.
0: That was my next question about how did you go from being a rural ministry in Pennsylvania, seeing maybe 100 women maybe in a Mm -hmm. year, to having a global outreach?
1: So um, I hate to say this, but we kind of tripped and fell into it. Like I'd love to tell you that we
0: had this five-year strategic plan
1: and conquering the world was our last item and we're done now, you know. Uh, But really what happened is we started watching this very concerning trend of the at-home abortion. So this is, this is not a morning after pill. This is not even a telemed abortion or a, a clinic abortion where you take the pills and you take them at home. These are women who are perhaps taking a pregnancy test, perhaps not. And then they're ordering abortion pills over the internet and they're taking them at home. This is extremely dangerous. They don't know if they're pregnant. They don't know how far along they are. Um, they don't know if they're, what kind of side effects they're going to get, they're going to experience. They may not have any support or anyone that is even aware of what they're doing. I always tell people, and I like, think of it this way, how many of us women have had very bad at home hair experiences? All of us, right? All of us. And it's funny because hair grows out. It's not a big deal. You don't want to have that kind of experience trying to have an abortion at home. So we put together this website, at and. We put this together in 2018 and 2019. We launched it in 2019. But even today in 2022, we're still the only website that's 100% dedicated to this issue from a pro-life perspective. So a lot of people aren't talking about it. So we put it together and we explained to women, Abort, at-home abortions are dangerous. You have other options. You know, these, this is why you shouldn't, this isn't a great idea. And we give them a lot of education and information on that website. Well, when we put the website together, we started getting messages from women overseas. Um, At first, it was just a few a week, then it was a few a day, but just in February, we reached our 10,000th contact. So over 10,000 individual women from 57 nations have now contacted us, asking us, um, usually asking us about the at-home abortion. So they open the conversation by saying, I want to have an abortion. How do I do it? How can I have an abortion at home? Um, And then we're able to talk to them about the side effects, the risks, the dangers, and then we're able to refer them to help in their communities. And we find that after they talk with us, about 85% of them choose life for their baby.
0: I guess sometimes you just need someone to talk about and be fully informed about their decision. Because if they do decide to go through with an abortion, that is a decision that they made. But at least you gave them other options that were available for them to choose from, because we often talk about a woman's choice, well, it should always be fully informed. Then you mm-hmm. should always have yeah. fully informed about your choices. Anyone should be. It doesn't have to be about abortion. It'd be something simple like, you know, I want to get vanilla ice cream from the store, <laughs> something like that. Right? Just, I mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so, so many of these women don't understand what they're saying when they want. They say they want to have an abortion. They don't understand about fetal development, um, and they certainly don't understand the risks that they're they're placing themselves at. We've had a lot of women who've messaged us immediately after taking the abortion pills, and they're in very bad shape. Um, they're bleeding very heavily. They're shaking. They're, um, they're crying. They, they feel like they're going to die. They're in terrible pain. This is, this is their descriptions to us of what they're going through.
0: And they didn't expect that. They didn't think that would happen to them. And that's something that you're receiving. So you're not actively going out and saying, hey, we're making this up. Because one of the things you said that people call your ministry a fake clinic, But you're saying, we're not fake if we have medical personnel on staff. Right. And that's been one of
1: the most frustrating things for me is that appellation that has been given to pregnancy centers. We have a medical director. We have a certified nurse practitioner on staff. We have two RNs on staff. We're not, you know, just making things up as we go along. We are so careful to abide by every state and federal law. We're so careful to abide by best practices. And in fact, in a lot of things, we really go above and beyond just to make sure that our clients get the absolute best care that we can possibly give them. And also to be sure that their information is treated confidentially and it's treated appropriately.
0: I'm going to shift the topic to your story that you did for the life anthology, but to our listeners out there, I hope you are stirred by what Sarah is sharing with you about promise of life network. You can find out more information by going to their website, promiseoflifenetwork.org where they are changing and saving lives. And Sarah, thank you for letting me highlight your ministry because I felt it was a very important one. But I would not have done that had I not read your story in the Life Anthology available from Doorway Publishing. And your story dealt with a very interesting fact. Oftentimes, an argument of of the pro-life community is that you never know if you're aborting the person who can save us from cancer or cure cancer or someone who can cure AIDS or the next president of the United States or some astronaut that's going to find life on another planet, you know, all these upstanding, successful citizens of the world that the pro-life community tends to use when they're talking and critiquing others about abortion. But in your story, you said, my person who was saved from an abortion wasn't an upstanding citizen at all. And I found this really interesting as I read your story. As a matter of fact, if you want to see the interview I did with Sarah, And several of the authors with the life anthology from Dory Publishing simply go to my YouTube channel at PJC Media and can view it there and also be in the show link description. In your story, the main character isn't redeemable in the sense that he's this layabout. He Mm -hmm. had a chance to have a good life. He did not take advantage of it. But he towards the end says, hey, at least my mom gave me a chance. And then he tells the reader something at the end of it. So I don't mind spoiling it for you, but you won't lose any enjoyment from reading the story once we tell it to you. So let's talk about this whole thing about it's not just the good babies we're saving. We're also saving the bad babies, if you will. Well, and I
1: think it's so important to draw that line in the sand and to realize that we are pro-life, not because of something those babies could do for us or do for society, but because they're made in God's image. And so often, and, and you know, one of the sort of like trick or, or gotcha questions is like, well, you're pro-life. Would you abort Hitler? No, because he was created in God's image. And um, you're created in God's image. And I'm created in God's image. And all of these unborn children are created in God's image. And that's why I'm pro-life. Not because they could do something amazing or might do something amazing or might benefit my life or my family's life in some way, but because they're made in God's image. And that's that's it. That's all we need. We don't have to justify it. We don't have to explain it. And I I feel like when I wrote that story, it came out of a very frustrated place because I was like, I am so tired of hearing about how we have to stop abortion because we might be, like you said, aborting the next president or aborting someone who could cure cancer. Like, no, that's not why we do it. We do it because every human life matters and every human life is valuable. And the other part of my story was really, I, I showed many places where this this young person, this young man in the story intersected with Christians and with Christian churches and how um, those interactions impacted him. And did it, did it change his eventual end? No, unfortunately it didn't. But what we do matters, even if we're just touching a life here and there, even if we're just interacting with a life here and there. Um, so even though even though this person in the story wasn't this upstanding citizen, his life mattered. And then, you know, spoiler alert at the end, when he confesses that he has a child and he wants someone to take that child, to me, it's that call to action, you know, get out there. Like, let's adopt, let's foster, let's make sure that every child is loved and wanted um, and has a safe place to live
0: I think that's an important part of the discussion, though, too. It's not whether or not they're going to be contributing members of society. They are created in the image of God. That is what that means. So it doesn't matter if it was Hitler. Hitler has to give an account for his actions to the same God I do. You know, the Lord's going to look at me and say, didn't I tell you? And I'll say, but your blood covers me. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you do this? But your blood covers me. (laughs) So, so yeah, but I really, I really thought of all the submissions for that anthology, yours really had a unique twist to it because we weren't saving the guy who, who cured cancer or the girl who's going to be the next president. We were just saving a guy who made a mess of his life. (laughs) And he just looks at the narrator. He looks at you actually. There's a scene where as I was reading it, I had the idea he was looking at me as uh, toward the end of the book. And he says, would you just give him a chance, you know, and hopefully he'll do better than me. And that's all he asked, you know, and I was kind of like emotional about it. Like, oh my gosh, that's what all of us just want a chance. All of us just want an opportunity, you know, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that story in that anthology, and I felt it was really unique. And I'm so glad that you sent that contribution to the anthology and that Doorway accepted it because it really gave a different perspective. And I hope for our pro-lifers out there, as you engage with people and have these conversations, that you can take that with you. It doesn't matter if we're saving, quote, unquote, the good babies or the bad babies. For all have sin. <laughs> it doesn't matter we're saving them. It's they are made in the image of God, and they deserve the right to their life. Yeah, so some Absolutely. people always do the trick question, well, what if you're, you know, doing a sex serial killer? And I'm like, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Goodness knows I don't want to be on his list of killers. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be the victim. You know what I mean? I, I understand that. But it all comes to the fact that it is not you to make that decision. And I, I right. believe that wholeheartedly. Now, of course, and I have to say this because, again, it's valid, and I don't want to ever seem as if I'm not looking at both sides of the issue. So I don't mind talking about that with you in a few moments we have left. Some of the conversations that come from these discussions is what if it's rape or incest? And we know those are quite horrible acts that have been done to women, and it could be quite horribly, horribly traumatizing to a woman. Let's talk about it from that aspect because it's it's a conversation that constantly comes up every single opportunity. You say, well, especially the young girl I read who was on a life a life um, website. The young girl had been raped by her stepfather for many years since she was five years mm-hmm. old. She got pregnant the first time when she was 11. She told her father, and it went on from there. So let's talk about that because I think it's a, I think it's important to discuss it.
1: Yeah. So the first thing to realize is that the exceptions—rape, um, incest, saving the mother's life—those sorts of things account for less than one percent of all abortions. That's not to minimize them, but it's kind of to put them in context. So if we're so now well, we've we've left the 99 percent and we're now discussing the one percent, which is extremely important. But we have to realize that 99 percent of abortions are not dealing with these types of complications. But when we are talking about the one percent, it is so so important to remember that abortion is also a traumatic act. So often we think that, okay, this mother's been through rape, this mother's been molested, this mother's, you know, she's dealing with all of these issues, she's dealing with all these problems, a pregnancy, should, she shouldn't have to deal with pregnancy. And we have compassion for her, and so we want to say, you know, an abortion is okay for you in this circumstance. Well, what we're doing when we say that is first we're adding more trauma on top of an already traumatic situation. So now in addition to being raped, she's gone through an abortion. In addition to being molested, she's gone through an abortion. In addition to becoming pregnant by a close family member, she's gone through an abortion. The other thing that we're doing is we're creating this this expectation for women who have been raped or who have been through incest that we don't want your baby. We're saying, oh, I'm very pro-life, and I think all babies are valuable, but not yours. And we don't mean to say that. We don't intend to say that. But in a world where the whole universe is telling her, in your situation, abortion is okay, how do we expect her to choose life? A long, long time ago, when I was like a baby director, I mean, I had been doing it for maybe 30 seconds at this point. I might have even been before I was a director. I might have still been um, just working here as a staff member. Someone called on the phone. it was It was after we closed, and I picked up the phone thinking it was going to be a client wanting to change an appointment or a vendor or a donor or something, and there was nothing on the other end, just dead air, and I, I waited for a second and I said, hello again. And then I heard this little voice say, can I just tell you what happened? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead and tell me. And so she told me the story of where she had essentially been attacked and been raped. And she had gone home, wanted to forget the whole thing ever happened, which happens a lot. And now she's pregnant and she doesn't know what to do. And I'm, you know, in my early 20s. I don't know what to tell her. And I'm just praying, Lord, give me your wisdom because I don't know what to tell her. Holy spirit be here with me in this moment because I don't know what to tell her. And the spirit spoke through me, but there's no other way to explain it. And I said to her, can you do me a favor? And she said, yeah. And I said, I'm going to ask you to have your baby. And I could tell in her voice she didn't want to have an abortion. This is not what she wanted, but she felt like that this child was somehow damaged or, or, you know, broken goods because she'd been through this rape experience. And I said, after you have your baby, I said, I want you to send everyone out of the room and look at this child's face. And I said, if you look into that child's face and you see your rapist and you see your rape and you see your experience, I said, I want you to call them back in and say, I can't do this. I want to have a make an adoption plan. And I said, the other thing I want you to do is that I don't want you to refer to it as his baby. It's not his baby. When he got up and he walked away from you and he left you there, he left the baby too. I said, this is your baby. This is your child. And in that moment, her whole perspective changed because she realized this isn't his baby. So often we talk about, oh, this is a woman's body, a woman's choice, a woman's child, a woman's this, a woman's that. But then as soon as the baby was born through rape or through incest or conceived that way, we talk to it about the rapist baby or the the baby from incest or whatever. I'm like, no, that's not his baby. This is your baby. And so in those moments when we say that abortion is okay with rape or okay with incest, then what we're saying, first of all, is your baby doesn't matter. We're saying this baby deserves the death penalty for what his father or her father did. And we're also adding more trauma on top of an already traumatic experience.
0: In the situation that I allude to before you answered the question, the young girl had been raped by her, I think it was her stepfather since she Mm -hmm. was five, which is already heinous. Absolutely horrific. And so she got pregnant when she was 11. And she told the dad, and the dad ended up taking pills, threw it down her throat, and she lost the baby. Mm -hmm. Then, instead of, and I'm saying this in a very cynical manner, so don't think I'm saying it right, in a very good way where he could have stopped and not done this anymore, you know, because he got away with it, if you will, the first time. And mind you, this is very cynical, you know what I mean? Um, He ended up, kept raping her, and she got pregnant again when she was 12. And what happened is that she did not tell him what happened. She said because she was so hurt by losing her baby the first time. And so it was the the Lord worked things out. It was one day where he wasn't there, her mom was there because her mom never knew until this happened. And the mom, of course, finds out he's in jail, gone. And so she was in sixth grade having a baby at like 12. Already Mm. horrendous, right? You think it, it can't get any better. This is just a horrible story. And you almost felt like she should not have had to deal with this. She said, my child was the only thing that kept me going because yeah. she was the only one in her school who had a baby at 12. And now I think she's in her 30s and her I think her son is like, well, if you got, what, minus 12, what, 18, something like that? Yeah. Maybe. And they have such a really close relationship and she kept, you know, she kept the baby. And even though it came through something very, very heinous, it actually protected her in a sense because they can prove Mm-hmm. At first, this is his kid. Yeah, a baby provides really
1: excellent proof that something has gone wrong.
0: I won't even lie. When I first realized like, this is horrible for a 12-year-old to go through. But when she looked back, she said, he got me through it. I could come home, be my child, because he loved her unconditionally. And he made her fight. Some people in my sphere of influence, when they were thinking about having an abortion, and when they had their child, they're so glad they didn't because the child forced them to become adults. Like one of my people in my sphere of influence, she said, I would never have gone back to school if it wasn't for my child because all of a sudden I had to make adult decisions. And the Bible does say children are a gift from God. We use these examples just so you can think about what we're saying. You don't have to agree with anything we're saying. I don't think that's the point for, even for you, sir. You don't have to agree with anything. But just think about the very serious issues because there's life involved when we make these decisions. People who are hearing what Promise of Life Network is doing, how can they get involved in helping you out? So our biggest need is
1: financial. Um, we are completely privately funded. We don't accept any money from the state or federal government, so individual donations go a really long way. And if anyone wants to give, um, they can go online to promiseoflifenetwork.org and click the donate button and they can give safely and securely online. The other thing that we need are our volunteers. Um, That might sound kind of crazy because, of course, people could be listening to this podcast from all over the world. But because we have a worldwide Internet-based ministry, we need volunteers all over the world. And so if you out there listening um, care about life, you care about women, you're a dedicated Christian, you want to do something about this, you can apply at promiseoflifenetwork.org slash volunteers to volunteer on our international helpline. It can be done from anywhere with an Internet connection. And we need volunteers from 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. Eastern time. So there's plenty of time slots available. You can just pick one or two a week that work for you. And then the third thing I always encourage people to do is learn more. Go to our website, read our information. If you have a local pregnancy center in your community, find them, get in touch with them, see what they need. There are so many opportunities and so much need nationwide related to this issue. And so if I could even encourage just one person, to find your local pregnancy center, um, find your local pro-life organization and get involved. This to me is a huge success.
0: Sarah, I appreciate that you took time out of your schedule to be with me on the show. Thank you for letting me highlight Promise of Life Network and what they do for the unborn and for women as well. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And we were talking today to Sarah Bowen. She is the executive director of Promise of Life Network, which is changing and saving lives one day at a time. I hope you were stirred by the content that we shared with you today about abortion pro-life, pro-choice. And if you have any questions, I'm pretty sure that Sarah will be more than happy to answer them for you. Go to her website at promiseoflifenetwork.org and you can go to the contact section. If you're international and you're considering having an abortion, do you have all the facts? Go ahead and log into to promiseoflifenetwork.org. Talk to someone who can help you make an informed decision. Maybe you need to find out where a pregnancy crisis center is in your area. Go again to promiseoflifenetwork.org and find out where one is at. We're not trying to necessarily force you to make any sort of decision. We want you to have an informed one. And for our pro-lifers out there, continue to pray for our children who are aborted each year. Continue to pray for the women who are affected by those abortions and continue to pray for our world at large because at the end of the day, pro-life isn't just about the baby. It's about all of us. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day, and God bless.